We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty is Charged podcast, coming to you live after the Chargers' victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we have to start off by saying Alex hit the nail right on the head with the 27-24 uh, prediction. How are you doing today? And uh, you have any other betting advice for us that we should be following since you're clearly <laughs> a, uh, a prophet today? Uh, no, I'm a degenerate gambler. Don't listen to me. But I also pick 27-24 like every week. And one of these weeks, I was bound to be right. Uh, but Steven, give me my fucking Fanatics gift card. We here, baby. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You had a, had a great weekend uh, in picking that one for sure. Uh, Victory Pink is back, which is always a good thing to see. I love that that's become your uh, trademark, but I'm happy for it. Thanks, Raiders fans. <laughs> Tyler, I see you're wearing a fun shirt today as well. Uh, how are you doing, man? Great. I'm doing very well. That was a much-needed win for the team and for myself and for all of us. And yes, for our, the algorithm and our pocketbooks, I'm wearing a O-line Masterminds shirt. Uh, again, I don't remember when the heck I became an offensive line, defensive line guy, but I'm looking back at all the mock drafts and things that I did. And it turns out the whole time I've been always been rooting for interior defensive line or offensive linemen in the draft. I don't know when that became a thing. Maybe it's just, you know, you want what you, you aren't. And I'm not in lineman by any means. So, hey, uh, I love it quite a bit. Um, yeah, Alex, if anyone's going to get the score prediction right between the Eagles and Chargers, it's a guy who's an Eagles and Chargers fan. So congratulations on the perfect score prediction. Yeah. Moving up the tankathon standings, baby. Absolutely. I uh, I also have to say uh, Duke Mannyweather tweeted a rather interesting picture today. Uh, if you haven't followed him on Twitter, did you see that, Tyler? No. He, uh, I assume it's about the Chiefs, but he put up a picture of Mitchell Schwartz inside a bat signal, uh, about two, about in the second quarter of the Chiefs and Packers game. So, rather Ooh. interesting uh, foreshadowing by Duke Mannyweather there. Mitchell Schwartz is Batman. Got it. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> he might as well be, man. I, I love Mitchell Schwartz. He's probably the um, same weight as Christian Bale's Batman right now. I don't I don't think that he's yeah. uh, I don't think he's bulked yeah. up yet. <laughs> no, he, he definitely is not at football playing weight. I hope he's healthy. Uh if you listen to the to the athletic football show, you know that he is uh mentally healthy right now. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited for him. 
Anyways, that being said, let's uh, dive right into this game. Obviously, the Chargers get a much-needed win over the Philadelphia Eagles. And before we get there, have to mention our sponsor, TickPick, who is the official ticketing partner of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Use the link in our description for those listening. That is TickPick.com slash charged for a $10 discount on your first purchase. The season is coming down the uh, final stretches. So if you want to get out to a game, use our code for a $10 discount. All right. That being said, let's dive into this one. Uh, Chargers, like I said, bounce back. Big performances from Justin Herbert. Big performance from Limbaugh Joseph. Big performance from the tight ends. Tyler, we'll start with you. What's your big takeaway from the Chargers victory today? It's that Justin Herbert's back. I mean, we've been waiting for him for the last couple of weeks, and people will point to different reasons the offense hasn't looked good. But at the end of the day, Justin Herbert just wasn't looking great against New England or against the Ravens. This game, he was incredible. Arjun pointed out to us that his EPA this game was actually higher than his EPA versus Cleveland. Yeah. And we thought like that was his MVP caliber game, where he was you know at the top of the list for MVP. Well, this EPA was better. So, I mean, the team had 445 yards. They scored on five of seven drives. It should have been six for seven if they kicked that field goal. Herbert was never sacked. He didn't throw an interception. They incredibly, because of that second half, they led in time of possession. The team had 19 plays of, of 10 yards or more. So, yeah, Justin Herbert is back. The offense looks pretty solid. But Herbert just looked fantastic. This is what we've been waiting for. And now it looks like he's building some momentum into some really, really easy games coming up. Yeah, I thought that, you know, just in general, this game, the offense looked a lot cleaner, like everyone knew where to line up. There weren't any illegal shifts. There weren't any like, oh, Jalen Guyton's not here before the snap. There wasn't yeah. any of that this game. Everyone kind of knew where they were. And even when the offense wasn't quite working in the first half and they missed those fourth down opportunities, uh, it, it still felt like the offense was OK, right, uh, at least in the first half. And then in the second half, they started to get things going. Uh, and look more like that Chargers offense, you know, just putting the points in the end zone that they probably should have in the first half, but uh, better late than never. But so uh, I just thought that the offense as a whole looked a lot better. Uh, and Justin Herbert's a huge part of that. Obviously, I think it was just a real good team effort. Like there wasn't one guy who dominated on offense. Like I think Keenan Allen obviously had a good game. Steven Anderson, who we'll talk about, had a good game. Uh, Mike Williams had that huge catch, but there wasn't really one dominating force. Like it just felt like everybody contributed and that that's good on Joe Lombardi for getting everybody sort of involved on offense, despite some of my frustrations with him today. Uh, but yeah, no, overall really good game for the chargers. They needed this one desperately, uh, especially if you're staring down the pike and, you know, while Tyler pointed out, they have easy games. We still don't know about the you know the health of Michael Davis and uh, Sante Samuel, and they got to play Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson next week, um, which is not an easy task. So they needed this win, they got it, and hopefully we can turn that into some momentum. Yeah, you know I totally agree that Justin Herbert's the big takeaway of the day. Like we we kind of talked about you know looking at the Raiders game plan against uh, the Eagles and kind of looking at how efficient Derek Carr was in that game, and, and it was a very similar game mm -hmm. from Justin Herbert in this one. Um, you know, outside of a couple plays here and there, you know, the offense was pretty surgical. Like it, it was like getting whatever yeah. they wanted. Did they even punt today? I don't think they punted today. Did they? I don't think they did. No, it's just downs or touchdowns or field goals. Yeah. Don't think so. I mean, the offense moved the ball will, and I kind of expected that. So there are definitely still some things to clean up in this mm -hmm. one. Some play calls that I did not love as much as I have defended, uh, Joe Lombardi, but at the end of the mm -hmm. day, the offense did whatever they wanted um, outside of, like I said, the couple plays. And Justin Herbert was a big part of that. 
And when Arjun sent us that text that his EPA was higher than the Browns game, I, I like, I like could not believe it. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. That's insane to me, you know, because the <laughs> Browns game was one of the best games I've seen from a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so for him to play this well today was huge. The team needed it um, and he needed it. It was just a, a great ba- bounce did. back performance to see. Yeah, absolutely. And while the rest of the AFC seems to not be able to figure out how to score, <laughs> Josh Allen looks terrible. Burrow has like two, three picks or whatever it was and a fumble. You know, Herbert is back on on the top, back and rising again. Really dispersed the football. I think nine players caught a pass. Um, the tight ends caught 11. Or the two main receivers caught 14. It just felt like a really solid distribution of the offense. Like Alex was saying, just everybody was getting the ball. Everyone contributed, including the offensive line. Not on the receptions, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, just felt like a real team effort and sort of the case on the defensive side of the ball, too, I think, in the second half. The first first half was definitely mm-hmm. rough when we talk about the run defense, but I felt like, generally speaking, everybody mm-hmm. stepped up in the second half, minus Chris Harris. But uh, <laughs> other than him, I thought everyone else did really good. And Nasir Adderley, like, big game for him, yeah. I thought. I, I thought that he was just really aggressive in terms of making his tackles and, and being where he needed to be at all times. Um, there wasn't one like monster play or like turnover, but you know, they sort of, aside from a few like Jalen Hurts debatable holding calls at the end, uh, they sort of <laughs> did pretty well, uh, you know, in the second half. And I thought they made the proper adjustments. We've talked about Brandon Staley sort of being the adjustments coach, if we will, uh, if you will. And uh, I thought this was a game where he showed that off. Uh, they weren't, you know, driving those long drives down the field anymore, just exhausting the defense like they were in the first half. And defense ultimately did play a little bit better than while Joseph got involved, like Steven said. Um, and then you had Joey Bosa get a couple pressures. So uh, I thought all around pretty good defensive second half after a first half struggle. So that combined with the offense being back, let's let's say that for this week, they're back. Uh, we'll see what happens in the future, but uh, definitely a good effort today. Yeah, you know, we and Joey Bosa in particular mentioned you know, he wanted to rush up against the guards more often. He wanted to be able to get some more help. And I, I thought the Eagles, for the most part, you know, uh, did a lot of one-on-one blocks, which, as they should, Lane Johnson is as good as it gets at the right side. Uh, Jordan Mailata, very good left tackle as well. So there were a few chips on Joey Bosa, but for the most part, it was a lot of one-on-one stuff. And he actually had two free rushes in this game, which is crazy. I yeah. can't remember the last time that Joey Bosa had two free rushes on a quarterback. Of course, one time he hit uh, Jalen Hurts, another time Hurts was able to uh, escape out of the pocket. But I thought the game plan on, on it, at least against the pass, was sound. You know, I, I like the way that they mixed up, mix and match the fronts. I like the way that they got Joey Bosa in one-on-one help. Uh, Arjun pointed it out that on Joey Bosa's sack, Kyler Fackrell was on the outside uh, on the edge, which was really fun to see them kind of introduce another new front like that. So I thought the defense played pretty well for the most part like alex said outside of the run defense and outside of that fucking number 25 um <laughs> i thought kaiser white had a good day i thought Nasir adderley had a good day um i'm interested to see you know kind of what the film says in terms of the coverages but um outside of Devonte smith i thought the coverage was pretty pretty good all day yeah no i can't wait to watch every time i see tavon campbell get targeted it seems like especially towards the sideline it just seems he's like able to squeeze the receiver to the sideline the guy is just, there's always yeah. a miss he's playing really really well Especially a guy for a guy that was supposedly hurt. What was the injury again? Was it a groin injury? Groin, yeah, groin. Yeah, so for him to for him to have that and then come out and have a really solid game, that's very very impressive. Yeah, uh, I thought you know I was really concerned about the secondary coming in. 
Um, <laughs> at some points, it was a problem, but I think having Tavon Campbell and those guys, like, like they stepped up big time. Uh, even someone like Kimon yeah. Hall, like, in the guts of the game, coming in uh, after... Who was it that went down? That one? Ryan Smith. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ryan Smith goes down. Um, so they were really thin at, you know, secondary, and I think that was a big concern coming into this game. They definitely got burnt a couple times, but in terms of how bad it could have been, like, I thought that all those guys pretty much stepped up uh, to the task and were at least, when it came to the second level, pretty decent against the run as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think another big takeaway today, Andre Roberts looks really freaking good back there at returning kicks. He yeah. had a really solid punt return, too. We we got a kick return past the 30, folks. It was amazing to watch. I like didn't know what to do with myself when Chris hit, when uh, Andre Roberts got that good return. He looked really well uh, outside of that one where he like couldn't get the he couldn't corral the ball after it was a short kick. But Andre mm-hmm. Roberts had a good day. Dustin Hopkins won the game on a field goal. Um, yeah, you know you had the last play of the game was a kickoff coverage that they looked really well. Trey Marshall blew up uh, whoever was carrying the ball. So. Special mm-hmm. teams outside of the Miss PAT was was honestly pretty good today. Granted, they yeah, didn't play yeah. all. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I thought special teams was uh, was actually pretty good. I mean, you had everyone con- kind of contributing. Now, the one thing is they didn't have to do punt coverage, which is something they struggle with. Right. Uh, but that they didn't, you know, it's good that they didn't have to punt, obviously. Um, but, yeah, no, ultimately everyone played pretty well on kickoffs, on punt returns, and, you know, that's all you can really ask for. And, obviously, like we talked about uh, on all these pods, like having Andre Roberts and having uh, Dustin Hopkins is, like, just a huge upgrade in terms of special teams DVOA. Uh, even though it was a 29-yard oh, yeah. field goal, uh, I would not have felt confident with Tristan Viscaino <laughs> kicking that. Like, it, it, I would not have felt good about that. So, um, ultimately, special teams played well. And, uh, yeah, I just thought, fundamentally speaking, as a whole, they looked like a good team. Obviously, there's parts of the defense or parts of the offense where they might be missing talent here and there. But it definitely, you know, just felt like fewer penalties, fewer unforced errors where, you know, whereas New England and I think Baltimore really exposed every time they had an unforced error. So uh, fewer of those this game for sure. How about Andre Roberts on the the nine yard run? I didn't even see that coming when he was took yeah. the fall, the handoff. Yeah. I, I was like, who the hell is this? They got nine <laughs> yards, a good play out of it. So hey, if that's a part, if that's a new part of their offense, great. It was a Jalen Guyton thing. I don't think they had done that the last two or three weeks. So it definitely surprised everyone. That was really, really, really good job there. Yeah, and until the late in the uh, third quarter, that was like the best run of the day. So I, I like Jeez. that wrinkle. I, I hope that you know yeah. that happens more often. I would love to see him. Uh, get a little bit more involved in the in the run game as well. Um, Sam came asking the chat if Tristan Viscaino is still with the team. He is. He is on the practice squad. So um, overall, the special teams I thought was was pretty good. And I, I think, uh, unless you guys have any other thoughts on the special teams, um, I think one other thing that has really stood out to me about this team is their performance in six-minute offense. We've seen this team now seal games in three different occasions with the six minute offense and today it was very very well executed they had a couple fourth downs that were uh very sketchy i was uh definitely sweating them a little bit but you know the charters for them to get the ball back with six minutes left like that and to you know bleed the clock all the way down and get you know within a very manageable field goal for dustin hopkins i think really Mm -hmm. has says a lot about where this team is at with the offensive line and where they're at with Justin Herbert. 
Um, and really, like that to me is why you keep running the ball. I know everybody was pissed about how they were running the football in the first half, but that that last drive is exactly why you keep running the football. You have to have that physicality maintained throughout the game. And if they had completely abandoned the run, I don't think they win this game. I don't think they execute that last minute drive the way they did. Um, I, and I think the offensive line played really well in that drive. I thought Austin Eckler made some really good decisions. Uh, and Steven Anderson, who we'll continue to talk about later, uh, mm. probably saved the day by pushing Justin Herbert on that uh, yeah. quarterback sneak. So six-minute offense for this team is becoming a real strength. Yeah, I mean, yeah, shut up. Saw, I was just going to say, we sort of saw that against Washington uh, as well, where they sort of just, like mm-hmm. bleed the clock down. In that game, they have the lead. In this one, they didn't have it yet. But it just felt like from that final drive, they were always in control. Um, and I thought that that was just really cool to see Eckler course has a few clutch runs and like steven said steven interested in the offensive line just pushing and pushing on those fourth downs um it sort of reminded me of what we saw a little bit at the beginning of the patriots game uh particularly Mm -hmm. that first eckler touchdown right but um you know we just saw it for kind of longer stretches in this one uh so yeah even though the running game wasn't working and you know watching roundtree and kelly run is something at this uh, point <laughs> um it sure is something oh, uh, but yeah eckler had some juice in this game even though his stats won't show him as like having a hundred yard game or something mm-hmm. uh, i thought that he was clutch when he needed to be and the offensive line was great as well so uh yeah no and it, it definitely like running the play action uh like steven's setting and getting mm-hmm. that fake to anderson like that's that's why you run the ball um, and why it's been frustrating that the Chargers haven't been able to run it so efficiently. So the fact that they were able to do it uh, a little bit in this game, particularly when it mattered the most, uh, I thought that was really good. Yeah, that play to Anderson was a great call. I was a- already angry at the play call before I realized that it was a, a play action pass to Anderson. I'm like, I hate that stoop. Oh, and they get 11 yards or 14 <laughs> yards or whatever it was out of it. I'm like, oh, that's actually a really good call. I-, I did not see that coming. So that was a very, very good job. I know you don't have to run to set up the play action, but it really felt like it did in that instance. Yeah. But shout out the shout out the team for having this identity of we're going to be closers and we're going to like to run the right. football. We'll do it, um, and they have done it. We saw it against the Washington football team; they were throwing it, but against the Raiders, they ran it, and against the Patriots, while they didn't close out that game in that first quarter, they ran it. And again, this game, they were able to run it. And there's just something about like Sean Merriman tweeted during the game. There's a mindset like he's he's he said he yeah. said he played with guys that were not good against the run, but playing the run as a mindset. I think it's the same thing for being a rushing team. And you see these yeah, guys in those yeah. moments, fourth and one, my God, I got to get it. You know, and Herbert's going to try his hardest, but then, then, and then Anderson's going to come in and boom, I'm going to help him over. And then with Eckler's, you know, first and five run against the Patriots, everyone's dogpiling in to help push him over. It's really a team. It's a very cognizant team effort to be good in the run game, or at least as best as they can be, particularly with Eckler. Now you talked about Roundtree and, Kelly, that was pretty awful, uh, but pretty good. <laughs> Who's saying we're whining, man? Who's saying we're whining? Is that I think me? he's talking about the people in the chat. Oh yeah, yeah. Shut up, everybody. <laughs> uh, but no, it, 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 it is. Not, it is <laughs> really great to see this. To be negative around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have to give a shout out to Christian Farmer. Thank you for the super chat. Mm. It is a great game for the contributors as well. It really was. Um, really was fantastic. And I agree with you. I think we saw kind of the opposite of what Tyler is talking about with the Eagles too, because after the mm. first couple of drives where their offense really was not getting anything, what did they do? They come out and run the football and it really energized, you know, that offense, unfortunately yeah. for the mm-hmm. chargers, but 
you know, you saw Jason Kelsey, you saw Lane Johnson really kind of pick up the energy and get after it. And I think we mm-hmm. saw the Chargers do a little bit of that in the second half as well with the offensive line. Matt Fire had a great block. You know, Steven Anderson had some great blocks. So mm-hmm. it, it was mm-hmm. a really good second half. I like the adjustments that they made. I know Arjun hates the toss plays. And outside of the Josh Kelly one, I feel like most of them went for positive yards. I don't know. Uh, maybe yeah. I'm misremembering that. But, you know, it's like I, I get the frustration of like you want you don't want to see them avoid the middle of the defense like that. But, I mean, it, they were wrecking the game plan in the first half. So I, I kind of understand why they went to the toss plays so much. I definitely would have liked to see, you know, like more end of rounds, more RPOs. But I, I think at the end of the day, they ran the ball pretty effectively you know, given the uh, matchup. So I don't know. I, I feel like nitpicking a little bit is is probably not the day to do that. I was definitely a little surprised they ran the toss play that many times. But what was yeah. everybody saying last year? Stop running up the middle. Stop running up the middle. So <laughs> they, they run outside. Like, let's get away from Hargrave and Fletcher Cox. Yeah. And they're like, stop running outside. Stop running the toss play. And again, I do think it was too often. And that play with Kelly on the toss play, like, yeah. I just, I don't buy that. I right. get the idea, right. but with Kelly, that doesn't really fly for me. But they're trying to work more outside. They tried to on first down, on different downs. They've been inefficient running up the middle. It is the most inefficient gap. Can't run up the middle, or you can, but it's not good unless you're the Eagles, who are like the best inside zone run team in the league right now, or at least they were coming into this game. The Chargers are just trying to go outside. So people are criticizing him or criticizing Lombardi. Like, I, it's kind of nitpicking because I get the intention, but it's just too many times. Yeah, to, to me, it was just also when it was happening. Like, why Why is it fourth and two and we're giving the ball to Joshua Kelly? <laughs> like, yeah. That just shouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, and then there was, I just thought the funniest instance of it was in the first quarter when they go on that uh, four-goal-to-go four uh, situation. And yeah. uh, the commentators were like, oh, it would be good for uh, Lombardi to get some RPOs up in here. And then he just goes a wide receiver screen mike williams drops it <laughs> things um but yeah no i thought uh i thought ge- in general despite the struggles in the first half and the fourth down calls i thought lombardi had a much better second half um and yeah. to me that that matters like you know i mean even though he didn't come out with the greatest script well he did come out with a great script and he just blew it on fourth downs a lot <laughs> couldn't write the um, ending yeah yeah, yeah couldn't yeah. write the ending and just kind of overthought it on that first drive i'm like just qb sneak it four times and you'll get it but <laughs> You know, undefeated man, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is undefeated undefeated on QB sneaks. Yeah, Um, but no, had a much better second half, and uh, I I will postpone poo pooing him until they lose a game (laughs) because of him again. Yeah, you know, I I thought Lombardi had a good day. Like I I did not love the toss call to Josh Kelly. Um, It was pointed out to me that they were kind of in a hurry up situation, so maybe they couldn't have subbed. But like, come on, man! Like you got enough personnel at that point with Josh Kelly. And him and Larry Roundtree, like, I keep on saying this. I like them in the pre-draft. I hate that I have to, you know, qualify that. But Larry Roundtree ran right into the face of a defensive player, and he had a clear-as-day cutback lane to for, the, for an easy first down. And those two are a problem. Like, you know, it's it sucks because it's going to be an off-season thing, right? Like, they're going to have to address the running back situation again because Justin Jackson is a free agent and can't stay healthy. And the other two are just not very good. Yeah, they flat out suck. They had I think four <laughs> carries for seven yards this game, and oh Kelly caught his fr- Kelly caught her his first pass of the season. Roundtree has only caught one pass for negative one yard. Like that duo stinks. They are like I I tweeted this out, 
And I know the Chargers are worse if they lose Herbert. But it's really close. Like, if they lose Eckler, <laughs> I almost feel like that's a bigger loss because those guys suck behind it. They need anything else. I'm Kalen Balage was better. Like, he statistically was better than, than Kelly. But we all kind of like, eh, he stinks. Like, I, I, they need somebody else. They cannot move forward with this duo. They're awful. Tyler said everything so I needed to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can't. You said they had how many carries for how many yards? Uh, I have it written down. They had four carries for seven yards and one oh catch. My gosh. Oh my um, that, gosh. Yeah, their, their second catch of the year is a duo. Yeah. And Ugh. the other thing, too, I mean, Austin Eckler, he didn't look as explosive in this one to me. I think he's still kind of suffering from that hip injury a little bit. And then he hurts his finger, too. And after each catch, you see him, like, shaking his hand after the play. So, I mean, Eckler is is fighting through some shit, and I really appreciate that about him. Um, you know, he sealed the game today with that great run in the fourth quarter. But he's clearly not 100% healthy, and it's not like the Chargers have any other options. It's like, you know, you just are essentially taking a loss when you're handing the ball to those two. Um, so I, I, one of the things that I thought the Chargers needed to do in this one was move the pocket a little bit more with Justin Herbert, and we saw that. Mm. That was a, that was a mm-hmm. good adjustment in this one, and I think yeah. the action of the, the emphasis on the RPOs really kind of opened some things up for this offense, especially without uh the presence of a run game without austin eckler in the game so i thought uh joe lombardi did a a really good job play calling in the second half and navigating the lack of a running game in this one yeah uh i was just gonna say uh, you mentioned the uh eckler uh fourth down runs and and all that that happened what the hell was up with the spot that they put the ball yeah like that was bad he he leaped right over it like he, the ball clearly yeah. crosses and, and I get the yellow line isn't final but like it crossed the yellow line and they just put it like a yard back and I'm like what are you guys doing um so yeah there were some questionable ref ball moments on both sides actually in this game uh you were Limwell Joseph should have gotten called and a couple other things but yes. um yeah no I I thought it was a, just a weird day all around for for the refs but um, yeah, I just love the intensity of that final drive and, and finishing the game like we talked about. Why wasn't that reviewed? I, I was really confused why that play was not reviewed. I, be- I believe that it has to be challenged if if they're going to review it uh, spot so, on the field. I so think. Staley could have challenged it. And did he? Or was that after his last time out? Uh, I think it was after his last time out. I think it might have been after his last time out or it was right before he used his last one. Not sure exactly. I think it was actually after he used all of them. Okay. Well, Edwin, as Edwin points out, I'm pretty sure Staley could have asked for a measurement too. So anyway, they got the first down, but it was it was still super annoying for that spot because like, I mean, like Alex said, you clearly see him, you know, yeah. jump and dive past the first down, um, which was, you know, just really bad. Um, all right, guys, any other uh, major takeaways from this one before we uh, move on? No, not in particular. A lot of con- good contributors, like someone said in the chat, but uh, not any other big takeaways until I watch the film. Uh, yeah, no, no big takeaways for me, but just a good game from everyone on offense all around, and just a, a really well uh, coached game, I thought too, on on both mm-hmm. sides of the ball, which I think was needed after Bill Belichick did his Bill Belichick thing last week to to rebound against uh, the angry italian i thought i thought that was good <laughs> the angry italian i saw someone ask you about the way that he yells at referees is that a, oh. a weekly occurrence yeah he does that a lot <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> good to know. Good to know. All right. So before we get to our studs and duds, uh, want to mention, or I'll let Alex mention our, uh, our other sponsor, ExpressVPN. Alex, why don't you tell our listeners about them? Yeah, you can go to expressvpn.com slash guilty uh, to get free. Uh, well, not free. You still have to pay for it. But you get the th- free three-month free trial f- to use International NFL Game Pass. Uh, and you can watch live games and go all around with it. It is really fun. All 22 is there if you want to nerd out like me, Steven, and Tyler do with All 22 every <laughs> week. So you can watch that. Uh, you can watch Jalen Hurts flip like a helicopter from you know 57 different angles, <laughs> or you can watch all those final good plays in the Chargers-Eagles game, or you could probably find some All 22 angles of Nick Sirianni yelling at the reps. That would be funny <laughs> to watch in retrospect. Uh, or if you're like me, you can watch all 22 angles of Josh Allen shitting himself all over the field <laughs> while you picked the Bills to beat the Jags. So that's fun. But you can go watch all those all 22 angles with international NFL Game Pass if you go to expressvpn.com slash guilty. There you go. I was using that. Uh, I was using the ExpressVPN today myself. Uh, did not get the Chargers game. So uh, it's a great resource, so much better than illegally streaming. If that's your game, I would highly encourage anyone to do that. So fewer viruses on your computer too. That is also very true. Um, so before we get to our studs and duds, I want to talk about the mess of the AFC that somehow got even weirder today. Uh, oh. had, Alex just mentioned, you know, the Buffalo Bills laid a complete goose egg in Jacksonville, where they scored six points against the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> defense. You had the Broncos go into Dallas and completely shut down Dak Prescott on the Cowboys. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Cleveland Browns, you know, absolutely took it to the Cincinnati Bengals after all the Odell mess. So crazy, crazy day in the AFC. Alex, uh, I ask you every single week and I ask Tyler, we always talk about it. Uh, What do you make of the AFC right now? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) like uh, what what is this conference i mean i think it's yeah i think there are obviously good teams in it like we talk about buffalo um baltimore gets a win today after it looked like they were sort of going to get a loss uh, to to minnesota so they come back and win that one but honestly i think all these teams are pretty close together like i really don't think there's an outright front runner um i think in the nfc you can probably point to two or three teams that can realistically win that conference, uh, you know, but in the AFC, I think it's wide open. I think you can make a case for the Chargers, the Raiders or the Chiefs or the Broncos to win the AFC West. <laughs> yeah. They're all, they all have five wins now, which is just wild. Um, and then you have, you know, Tennessee and Indianapolis who are going to get wins and probably make the playoffs because they're going to beat up on Jacksonville and they're going to beat up on Houston uh and yeah i don't know like other than that it's weird we talked about cincinnati being first place in the division and now they're last place in the division yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> with, with how things have turned out uh, uh pittsburgh still yet to play they'll play tomorrow and, and, and determine that one way or the other but um yeah no i, I think it's a really tipsy turvy kind of division and there's re- or conference as a whole and all the divisions are really close um so to me uh, unlike the NFC, there's just a lot of competition to go around. And I, you know, that's one of the things where you're more thankful that the Chargers have a more forgiving second half of the schedule than first, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But like, 
Chargers still going to have to play the Raiders and the Chiefs and the Broncos and and get those wins. So like those wins now, like more so than um, maybe the first part of the year are going to like completely determine, you know, whatever the balance of power in the AFC is come playoff time. But uh, yeah, I have uh, no big conclusions to draw other than a, inconclusive <laughs> like just gonna, yeah it's like when you get that incomplete test grade on the afc and it's been that for like three straight weeks <laughs> alex getting all those incomplete test grades on his way to med school um <laughs> as far as the afc goes yeah i don't know what to make of the broncos trading away von miller basically one of their best players and then smashing the cowboys in sure. dallas 30 to 16 doesn't make sense the Bengals. i i feel like it kind of makes sense. Like, you know, you have, you have to be a winner and a consistent winner to remain a consistent winner. For me, it's like they have some great games because they have talent, but they're not really quite there yet. The Ravens find ways to win more of these games. Of course, they lost to the the, the, the Bengals. So what do I know? Uh, the, the Raiders went out and had a real crap day against the Giants today. And the Giants were awful. Like, they're ter- they were terrible football team today. Some good defense, but Daniel Jones is terrible. And they still won. <laughs> like, it was... That was really bad. The Bills not beating the Jaguars, only scoring six points is incredible and impossible. The Chiefs have only scored 36 <laughs> points the last three weeks combined, which yeah. is usually a weekly occurrence for them, but only 12 points a game the last three games. That's not good. So I do know the Chargers will, well, I do believe the Chargers will win the AFC West. I think at this point, I, I, I don't know. I don't buy the Broncos. I think that the Cowboys I think it was just a rough day at the office. Plus Dak just returned. So I think that could change if they played three weeks down the line. Um, but I just don't really the AFC. I don't know. I mean, the Steelers, I think we'll know more about them tomorrow. The Patriots, I think, are very sneaky right now. And if they play the Chargers in the postseason, I think I'd still feel OK. But I'd also feel pretty scared because we, we just saw them lose to the Patriots. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I need five more weeks to tell you about the AFC because it's a big shrug emoji right now. Lamar yeah. Jackson would have never allowed Urban Meyer to get his first win on U.S. soil. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Great point. Great point. Yeah, it was a it was a hot mess today. The Titans are playing the Rams, of course, the, uh, tonight. Uh, of course, mm. without Derrick Henry, so that's going to be you know uh, another mess. So I, I assume <laughs> that the Titans will lose uh, this one, and then the Baltimore Ravens will be first place in the conference, and the Chargers are right there in third place. You know, tied for third mm-hmm. place with the Buffalo Bills and the Raiders. Uh, of course, having tiebreakers with the Raiders. So it just is, it was a, a weird day in the NFL. And I thought it was going to bite the Chargers too. Um, so, you know, watching all these bad teams beat good teams, I was kind of sweating things a little bit. Uh, but obviously the Chargers were able to pull it out. So the AFC West in particular, you know, it's it's going to be a wild one. You know, I think the Raiders have a, a hard schedule coming up and they just lost to the Giants. So, you know, like we've been saying all, all the year long, you know, frauds until proven otherwise. And I think that was kind of proven otherwise today. Shout out to my guy, Devontae Booker, man, former Utah legend, had to get it in there, had a fantastic day. It's been running really well. And I even saw some Giants fans saying that they should try to trade Saquon Barkley in the offseason and extend Devontae Booker. And I just just dying at the thought process of <laughs> trading away, you know, your former uh, second second overall pick for Devontae Booker to give him an extension. <laughs> well, you know, he's played well. Like I watched him. He played really, yeah. really well. He's yeah. part of the reason they won that game and a big part of the reason they won that game. So. Uh, I disagree with the idea of trading away Barkley. But I, <laughs> I kind of also get it. I kind of also get it because, you know, Booker's played pretty well. Yeah, I mean, uh, Joshua Kelly and uh, Larry Roundtree combined for seven 40. yards today. Can we trade Eckler? <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
<laughs> That's completely backwards. No, but we can trade for Barkley, it sounds like. So yeah. I'm all for that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd be so funny. Um, but yeah, the AFC is it's I've said this over and over again. It's giving me such strong Pac 12 vibes this year. Everybody just beats up on everybody. You have no idea what's going on. Uh I, I've been assuming that the Buffalo Bills have been the uh best team in the conference for you know a few weeks and then they lost to the Jaguars. So you know, mm. we don't know anything anymore, and, and that's completely fine. Um, and we do have a super chat question from Curtis Davis. Uh, wants to know if we'll mention Deshaun Jackson to the Raiders, which uh, is official. Uh, he posted mm-hmm. on Instagram himself. Uh, I don't think the details of the deal have been released, but I would assume it's just like a one-year deal for the Raiders. And they, they needed to make a move, you know, and they didn't really have anybody like Dylan Stoner, I think, was their wide receiver three today. So, um you know, Deshaun Jackson to the Raiders, I think, is an interesting one. What do you guys think? Um, I mean, I think they needed to do it, but you're still replacing Henry Ruggs with the 34-year-old Deshaun Jackson. So, like, I mean, on that level, that's hard. Uh, I think he can be a burner for them if he stays healthy. Um, but I was very apprehensive about the idea of Deshaun Jackson, even when, you know, people were bringing him up to the Chargers. I just didn't feel like that made a lot of sense with where he is in his career. Um, but to me, you know, it can't hurt to try it. And if he gets hurt while you try it, uh, you know, it's a pretty low risk move uh, at the end of the day. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't see him being able to replace rugs in a significant way. Yeah, no, I worth a shot. I'm glad he's not elsewhere. I think going to the Raiders to enjoy the dumpster fire with them is just fine. Uh, (laughs) it it did look like they were missing Henry rugs today. But, you know, the difference between just having two guys with equal, maybe they have equal speed. I don't know. But the difference between having guys with equal, equal speed and also having a guy who's built into your game plan and you know how to use and you have chemistry with, that's what they have with Henry Ruggs. They built him right into that game plan. Big part of the play action shots that Gruden had. Gruden's no longer there. So can they get, you know, Judge Jackson up to speed? Can they get him to be part of their offense? Yeah, he's fast like Ruggs, but can he be involved? And can he stay healthy? I, I really, really don't know. So, Glad he's there. Glad he's not with the Chiefs, for example, who could maybe use sure. some help. Um, so that's fine by me, honestly. Yeah, I mean, uh, the other the other difference between just being built into the game plan is that Henry Ruggs was, is 22 uh, and that uh, Deshaun Jackson's 34. <laughs> that, that's the major difference True. between them two. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's going to be a really interesting dynamic because I think, you know, obviously Ruggs was kind of emerging as their number one receiver, and that's definitely not Deshaun Jackson. So... Uh, going to be an interesting thing to see how Derek Carr kind of combats that. If we see him kind of revert to the check down Charlie, or if he's able to kind of keep playing at the efficient level he was. So Raiders if, are kind if, of a mess. I was just going to say, if uh, Deshaun Jackson does stay healthy, for the love of God, I do not need to see Chris Harris on him. <laughs> whatever you do, whenever the next time the Chargers play the Raiders, just get Chris Harris on him. Yes, absolutely. Um so uh, I'm curious to see, we'll, we'll talk about this mm, probably on our next episode, but I'm curious to see what this does for Odell Beckham as well. Uh, Cause the Raiders mm. I think were the betting favorite as of this morning to land him. Uh, obviously <laughs> they could still sign him if they wanted to. Um, but uh, I'm curious to see what this does for him. I mean, he can join the Raiders too, you know, whatever. <laughs> How about it? Anybody but the chiefs is fine. Yes. I mean, they, they honestly, right. Like we were just talking about it, like Deshaun Jackson, like he's not a wide receiver one, right? So you still 
do kind of need somebody to be a wide receiver one, so I wouldn't be surprised that they double dipped. Um, you know, and the Raiders have always been about making flashy moves. <laughs> some of them that pan out, some of them that don't pan out. Uh, you know, most famously like the summer of uh, Antonio Brown. <laughs> right? yeah. So uh, I, you know, don't I don't think that this takes them out of the Odell sweepstakes. Sure. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, get into our studs and duds. Really excited about this one. I, I Alex already spoiled his on Twitter. How dare you? But uh, I will let you hear talk talk here and now. Excuse me uh, about Stephen Anderson and the wonderful day that he had uh, for the Chargers today. Yeah, friend of the show, Stephen Anderson, uh, yeah. getting the gack bump. Uh, I thought he was really good today. Uh, just involved on every play. You know, he was there to make a crucial block. You know, I was just kind of tweeting during the game, like every time he made a block for someone like in front of him. Uh, and I probably tweeted like three times about it. And then he's there pushing Eckler, pushing Herbert or whoever it is over the pile. Right. Uh, and picking up those crucial downs. So I thought, you know, he was also really fundamentally sound on special teams um and like to me he was the best tight end on the field today <laughs> like but kind of by far uh like jared cook was fine donald parham was you know good but like to me he really showed something that uh i don't think we saw from him before in all facets of the game uh so yeah. this was a, a really kind of like career day for him so i i thought that you know his effort was just really nice to see out there especially because they sort of have been in flux with the tight ends. Like, obviously, you have good weeks from Jared Cook. You have bad weeks from Jared Cook. You have, you know, good weeks from Donald Parham. And then you have weeks where he might not be being used as much. So to have Steven Anderson potentially going forward as this, like, maybe not a tight end one, but just this presence over the offense where, you know, he's in on the crucial blocking plays and he's in whenever they need a, you know, guy to get open. Like, I think that that's a really good thing for the offense. So he showed that off in this game. So I, I think Steven Anderson... Uh, yeah, I mean, if people pointed out in the chat, like we were talking about Gabe Neighbors last year, like the whole time, and Steven Anderson mm -hmm. basically took Gabe Neighbors' job, uh, and he yeah. basically has taken like a large share of the of the tight end uh, roles, and and so like for him to be doing all of that at the same time, uh, is pretty crazy, and to be doing it well, so uh, yeah, he's definitely my stud of the game. Yeah, when we were, you know, leading up to our interview with him, one of the things that we talked about with him was his ability after the catch, right? You know, he it was a very limited sample size, but last year he led the league in, you know, yards after catch per reception among tight ends, had a really nice mm -hmm. role with the old regime. And so it, I was very curious to see what this new staff would do with Steven Anderson. And then Gabe Neighbors gets hurt in training camp, and they're like, all right, well, let's try Steven Anderson at fullback. And it's gone very, very well for him. You know, and I think it takes a special player, special kind of mindset mm -hmm. to spend the entirety of your career at tight end and then take on a fullback position, H-back position, uh, hybrid with a tight end. And he's played incredibly well at, at, in that role, playing fantastic on special teams, which was kind of a concern of his last year as well. And he, you know, said that on our show. So he was playing fantastic today. I really love the fact that they got him involved in that touchdown play, particularly, which I, I love that play design, love that call. Um, so I think Steven, Abs Steven Anderson absolutely deserves some flowers today. Yeah, no, that's a good call. I, we had so many doubts of what he could do as a blocker or special teams. And just he just came out and changed everything. He pushed McKitty, you know, to fourth string, basically. And it was as early as training camp. You could tell, like, hey, Anderson's involved in the backfield as a fullback. Yes. Like, I didn't expect yeah. that. And he's doing all these different things. And you see him kind of have the same 
ish role every week. They always try to do this more like delayed sort of screen to him, maybe one slide route, some good blocking. But you know, the, yeah, I'm getting him involved today. It was really great to see. I don't, I'm not going to say he's, he was he was by far better than Jared Cook. Technically, Jared Cook had better stats. Um, but you know, Steven Anderson was definitely involved, and I, it just felt like they had actually more of a game plan for him than Parham. Like I know Parham is tight end too, but it really feels like Anderson's tight end too. He's just not really a tight end. He's just the H-back guy who does a place in tight end. I don't know how much he lines up in the slaughter out wide, um, but no, it seems like a really good plan for him. So yeah, really good game from really all the tight ends. Um, my game ball guy is going to go to, um, unless you want to take this guy, Steven. You I think I know ahead. who you want. Yeah, you Are go you ahead. sure? Yeah, you go. All ahead. right. So I'll go with Linval Joseph on this one, man. <laughs> and I think that was a pretty easy one. He's yeah. quite like, I don't think nose tackles, they have a Pro Bowl or, or, or All Pro designation for nose tackles. Um, but he's quietly putting together a very good season. I'm not going to vote him All Pro by any means, but he had six run stops today. And for reference, Aaron Donald's only had one game with six run stops the last Oof. three seasons. Okay. So, like, that's how good of a game it was. Six run stops today. Um, I think he could have honestly had bigger stats if not for some holding calls. I think he was just fantastic today. He's been putting together. It, it might be a career year again at this late in his in his age. Um, I hope this doesn't deter them from taking interior defensive line in the draft because you sure. need other defensive tackles as well. <laughs> and I hope they take another nose tackle because I don't know if the guys behind them are quite up to the task. But he had a fantastic game today. He really looked like if, 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 if the play, if the run call was dead, it was because of, of Limal Joseph. And it seemed like if it wasn't, because he wasn't involved, he was feel like, feel like he was the only guy who was out there really playing the run at a very high level. And he was. He was fantastic today. Kudos to him. He's been a leader for this team. He's, I think, no, he doesn't walk out as one of the captains. He does. Is he captain on the he team? Does. Oh, he does. Yeah. Okay. Yes, the team clearly respects him and he's owned up to that. Like, if anyone's going to stop the run, it's him. So, yeah, Limbo Joseph is my game ball for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the film had been showing me a very disruptive player. And, I, you know, I said mm-hmm. as much this week that, you know, I thought Kaiser White has been playing fantastic and Limbo Joseph is right there with him. You know, in terms of defensive players, those are one and two, in my opinion, that I want back. Linbaugh has been a stud. A defensive a nose tackle getting six run stops in a, in a game is is honestly kind of outrageous. And <laughs> he was awesome today. I thought he really came out and set the tone, you know, where there was that first drive after the Chargers go down and score a touchdown. And they the Eagles run this quarterback run play. And Linval Joseph was right there. He was right there for the run stop. And that really set the tone for the rest of the second half after they got gashed for, you know, the majority of the first half. So Linval's an emotional leader. He's the best defensive tackle on the team, which is kind of outrageous given his age. Um, but, you know, he's playing fantastic right now. I think he absolutely has earned this. Um, and, and if you had taken someone else, I probably would have said Joseph. But to me, it's today is about Justin Herbert. And, you know, we gave him a ton of flowers earlier today. But this kind of game from him after what I think are his two the, the toughest two game stretch of his career to bounce back like this really says a lot. And, you know, just the way that he carries himself mentally, the way that he carries himself as a leader, I thought this was a great game for him. And um, as Brian Stowe points out, he carried the Chargers offense today. He was fantastic. Six incompletions when your team is kind of struggling throwing the ball, when your offensive line is really kind of struggling. We haven't even talked about the offensive line today. I feel kind of ashamed of myself, but uh, Justin <laughs> Herbert had an awesome day today and they needed it. Mm-hmm. He needed it. Um, and I just, you know, I, I said this on, on Friday, you know, he was getting a lot of shit from media members, but we forget how great he has been 
and how great he can be. And I think he showed that today. Yeah, 100%. I'm so happy for him. And the stretch of games gets a little bit easier. So hopefully he can continue that momentum and maybe get back in the MVP race. Yeah, I thought that just in general, he looked a lot more focused today, right? Like he wasn't, you know, a lot more decisive too. Like when, you know, when he picks up and runs for that touchdown, right? Like he just made that decision right from the beginning, right? Like it was, it was like an executive decision versus, I don't know, when you saw him against New England or you saw him against Baltimore, like when it came to decisions like that of like, oh, I'm going to chuck this ball here. Like he just waited a little bit too long or waited for the wrong thing to open up or runs into his own lineman, uh, you know, on that running play. So I just thought Justin Herbert, you know, part of it is that the Eagles defense is bad uh, when you look at the <laughs> linebackers and their secondary. But uh, I also just thought it was that Justin Herbert looked more wired in and looked a little bit more dialed into yeah. what, what the game plan was as a whole uh, and more decisive. Yeah, absolutely wanted to see the offense get in rhythm. And I think they were able to do that with him. So I think that's a great call, Alex. Okay, taking a deep breath here. Duds of the day. You first on this one. <laughs> yeah, Steven, you have at it. There's do only it. one. Do it. Oh, my God. Fucking Chris Harris is so bad at football. <laughs> he was targeted four times, and he gave up four receptions for 80 yards and a touchdown. He was awful today. And I said I said this on Saturday on our Q&A. If he played well, I would give him his flowers. I would. And he had an awful game, and Devontae Smith cooked him all day long. And I said this to Tyler before we got on the show. It felt like I could feel his career fading away on that touchdown just because <laughs> he could not close the gap on Devontae Smith, who is fast, but he's not a super fast player. And the thing that pisses me off the most about the way that Chris Harris is playing right now is that anytime that he gives up a reception, he always looks at the safeties as if it's their fault as if the safety should be giving him better help. So Chris Harris is a complete liability today, and I cannot emphasize this enough. The Chargers lost two corners heading into the game. They lost a third during the game, and he was the worst corner on the team. Like, it was awful today, and it, this has been building and building, and I, I, I'm i ready for Chris Harris to be benched. Give me Mark Webb in the slot, Alohi Gilman in the slot, anyone else except for Chris Harris. Yeah, it's good, unfortunate. No, y- you've been on this like quietly for a while, and then it's just slowly been building. And you're right; it's just not looking pretty. Like you said, every time something happens, and look, maybe half of those targets, receptions, touchdowns, whatever, are on somebody else in the defense. But just even the optics don't look good. Even just no. you know, he always seems to be trailing or behind or missing. And like you said, throwing his arms up in the air. You did the wrong thing. You did the wrong thing. I'm not, no, I don't know if he's saying that, but it seems like it, at least when you're watching on TV. It's not good. Jalen Hurts only completed seven or attempted, I think, 17 passes today, and four of them were targets at Chris Harris. I'm sure another like three or four were just screen passes. So, I mean, they basically they had Ryan Smith on the field and they were like, let's target Chris Harris Jr. It, it just was not a good game like ryan I smith can't. can't even make the buccaneers and the buccaneers have terrible corners right now and he plays special teams and they're like i don't know let's look off to chris harris jr i mean you jalen hurts went out of his yes Sorry. i think like uh, it was uh, no go for it steven you this know is your it's thing. bad you know it's bad when the special teams corners Kimon hall and ryan smith <laughs> come in the game and you do not target them you target the arguably the best slot corner of all time like that i think is a fair assessment but he's cooked 
he's cooked, man. And it's it's just a really bad spot for them right now. Um, you know, next week they, he gets to play Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. So that's going to be fun. <sighs> Is there even another dud? Like, <laughs> really? Like... <laughs> Wait one moment. I'm sure Alex I... will have his day, yeah. <laughs> so, Steven's a little bit infamous at the show going after 25. And I'm a little infamous for going after 99. And I'm going to do it again. Because it was bad today, man. Like, he was getting blown up by Lane Johnson. He got dragged into the end zone by Jordan Mailata. Which is, you know, look, the Eagles offensive line is good. But he was getting pushed around out there yeah. um, and just looked physically outmatched. <laughs> and I saw Daniel Popper tweet like, oh, Lane Johnson on Jerry Tillery is a mismatch. I'm like, you <laughs> could say offensive lineman X for this team will be a mismatch for Jerry Tillery every week and be right. Um, yeah. yeah. And I don't like being right on Jerry Tillery because they really need him to develop. And he, you know, he's part of the problem with the run defense as, as well as the other defensive linemen. Um, but like, they just can't afford him to be this bad. Like, I, I don't understand like how it is this bad. <laughs> so to me, I mean, it, you know, people won't notice it as much as Chris Harris, just because on the stat sheet, it won't show up. But, uh, yeah, I thought he was pretty bad today. Yeah, definitely didn't look good. I'll have to rewatch that. Well, no, nah, I won't rewatch the one. What I'm going to do is let Steven rewatch it, and then he'll tell me what he thinks the run defense. <laughs> or if he doesn't watch it, that's fine. I'll just look at the yards per carry average. Uh, yeah, just bad optics all around for Jerry Tilley from you know last year hitting Mac Jones 45 seconds after the whistle was blown to every single game they run. They run at Tillery, and everyone's saying they run at Tillery, and all the offensive line people are saying that they're running at Tillery. Uh, it's, just, it's just not good, unfortunately. So, yeah, him... I, I guess someone else already said it in the chat. I've sort of already said it. The only other that I can think of are the backup running backs. Yeah. Like they look like when I first started playing running back, where it's just like, I don't know. They're like, you know, Tyler, go up the the, the one, you know, one, three, five, or, or two, four, six when you're running through the, which hole you don't know what A, B, or C is. It's like, okay, uh, 31. So how you just run like, uh, and you get hit, and that's about it. Like when you first, you don't know what to do, that's kind of what you look like. But these guys are professional football players who had a lot of carries in college. And they're yeah. just like, ah, and they just, well, that sounds really racist, but they just ran, <laughs> they just ran forward. I'm sorry. <laughs> it always happens at near the end of our show. One of you guys says something like this. Um, getting back to. Well, I was Go just going to say with the backup running backs, like Tyler talks about, <laughs> talks about him playing football. Like they look like me playing football and I wasn't allowed to play football. <laughs> <laughs> What's what's just wild to me about these two running backs is is just like how far they have fallen at this point. Like both of these players were incredibly productive. Like Larry Roundtree is the leading rusher in Missouri football history. Like it's not like he's just was some scrub in, in college. And Joshua Kelly, we heard from Daniel Popper that he thought he was the best player in training camp last year, like bar none. And he had a great first game. And now this this running back, like it the worst thing about it is that there's just like, there's no upside here. You know, at least with Justin Jackson, you have a runner who has a very, very good vision. Like he's, in, he's not the same athlete he once was. He cannot stay healthy, but he has great vision. And we saw that, you know, on his 75 yard run. Tillery or Tillery, <laughs> um, <laughs> Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree, like there's no vision there. And then there's just no juice. Like I, you know, that play, right? The, the toss play call 
on the fourth down, like I said, it wasn't great. I don't love the usage of personnel, but there was a clear cutback lane. Like he clearly could have seen that and, and gotten a first down. You know, he had blockers out there and he just, he ran right into the blockers. He has no vision right now. And that's the worst possible trait to not have, in my opinion, among running back, among running backs. Yeah, I, I think my concern, you know, I mean, we talked about, I mean, really both of them coming out of the draft was just like, there's not a lot of speed. And if at the NFL, their vision doesn't adapt, then that's going to be a problem. Um, and yeah. you don't need yeah. like a running back who's going to run a 4-4 or 4-5 like all the time. But right. I think that combined with the fact that they are bigger running backs, like it just adds up over time. And, and you know, that's sort of my thing that I was talking about in the offseason. Like, I don't think you need a power back anymore. Like, I mean, obviously you talk about some of the guys around the league that are like these huge, like, I mean, Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry. Uh, like he just is this hulking mass of a guy, but like, to me, like situational football, I guess has just changed so much where I don't think you need this like big lumbering back. Like, I mean, yeah. not going to say his name, but Khalil Herbert, uh, you know, <laughs> like that could have been useful for this team in, in replacing yeah. Justin yeah. Jackson and, and moving forward with RB2. So, um, you know, I think that going forward, I'm curious to see how they look at running back talent going forward. Cause one of the things that Brandon Staley said during the Patriots game was, I really like Ramondre Stevenson and like, you know, I don't really love him either, but he actually had a pretty okay game today and looked more physical. Like he sort of looks like what they want Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree to be. So uh, yeah, I don't know the power back thing, not really working right now. Yeah. They clearly want that to be a part of the game plan. I, I think they're kind of leaning towards more of the outside zone toss, you know, part of the game plan RPOs. So, you know, going forward, I'm interested to see if they, they look more at that kind of running back because when you look at the Niners and their staple of running backs, like Trey Sermon is, is as big physical as it gets, and he's a very productive outside runner with some wiggles. So I'm curious to see how that one pans out. At this point, if you're trying to have a physical runner, just bring up Darius Bradwell. Like, uh, at least he mm -hmm. is big and right. powerful. Like, you're, you're hoping that Larry Roundtree and, and Joshua Kelly can bring that. Just bring up Darius Bradwell at this point. I, I, like I, I'm just kind of over the whole other experience. I'm fine with that. Yeah, it was really fun in the preseason where Roundtree had two runs off a really excellent offensive line play, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, he's good!" I'm like, I just want to see a couple <laughs> more runs. Like, seem like like three more runs, maybe then I'll believe it. Everyone's like, "No, no, Roundtree's great." I'm like, all right, yeah, here we are. Preseason's a hell of a drug. It is a hell of a drug. It it really is. All right, so we'll uh, we'll wrap this up in a little bit, but we will take some time for questions. Um, I've seen a couple that I wanted to shout out. So if you have a question, please type it in the chat now, and we'll get to them. Before we get to the questions, though, I do want to give a shout out to Joey Bosa. You know, we have mm -hmm. been kind of waiting for him to get an opportunity to be singled up a little bit more, and he had a really solid day today. That bull rush against uh, Mr. Driscoll, the right guard, was like truly something else like you know it's uh bad when you're when you get blocked into the quarterback and get a sack so i thought joey bosa had a fantastic day today yeah him and jack driscoll were a great pass rushing duo <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear the pressure numbers from the eagles so i'm, I'm excited to see that tomorrow well we sort of know yeah would because it's great well, it's no, no, I meant from like her, the but... Eagles, like the ones that the Eagles gave up. Oh, 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 oh the yeah, ones yeah, they yeah. gave up. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Hmm. So, um, yeah, we'll get some questions. Um, Tyler, you, you, you have to leave soon. Yeah. Uh, dinner awaits in a bit. So yeah, it's, okay. it is time to go after All an right, hour. So we'll, Alex and I will stay on and take some questions. Tyler, final thoughts of the day before you head out. Uh, thank goodness I went on two Philly podcasts and they were great, but they all thought that the, you know, the Eagles were like, Hey, the, the, the Eagles were going to win. You know, everyone's like, we need this game. Here we go. We beat the lions. And I'm like, well, I don't know, but this game was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, Alex obviously got it right, but the injuries, you know, some injuries played a part in that. Um, but the Chargers are atop the AFC West. I do think they'll remain there until the Broncos pretend like they're an actual team, but for more than one game. <laughs> So we'll see, but you know, great to be back on top. Herbert looks good. The offense looks pretty solid. The record looks good. The schedule looks good. Storm Norton didn't allow any pressures this game. Just want to point that out to to finish the show. Uh, thanks to my offensive line mastermind, shared strike, leverage drive, finish. I'm pretty sure that's why it happened. So congratulations to Slater, or excuse me, on Norton for only allowing zero pressures and actually being better than Slater technically in that category for the first time. I just thought it was funny that you went on all these Philly podcasts and they were like, yeah, we want to have this game. And meanwhile, the one Philly fan on the show was like, no, I want them to tank like three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Um, cool. But yeah, Tyler, we'll uh, appreciate your time today. And uh, Alex and I will finish this up. So uh, have a good Okay, day. I'm going to not hit end broadcast this time. I'm just going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 I can do it. No, I uh, I'm glad that he brought up the offensive line, uh, Joshua Nichols and Nick uh, Semerikov. I hope I said that right. Uh, pointed out they played really well today, man. And I said this. I thought that this was a game that Storm Norton would play pretty well. Uh, of course, that was aided by Josh Sweat leaving the game early. Um, but the offense handled their business for the most part. Just not uh, great efficiency in the run game. Um, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave were uh, quite the wrecking force up the middle today. Yeah, I mean, even though they didn't get any sacks on Justin Herbert, like I just felt like that was one of the reasons the Chargers never really got the run game going. Is like they were getting blown up pretty good. There was one play where Fletcher Cox kind of put Storm Norton in a blender, uh, for what I remember on a run play. But uh, yeah, yeah it, it was just, you know, I mean, and it's good that the pass rush wasn't that great this game. Obviously, aided by Josh Sweat, like you said. But in general, I thought the offensive line played well, which. Gives you some hope going into next week. Obviously, the Vikings don't have uh, Daniel Hunter right now. So, yeah, um, that's something you could kind of take advantage of. Yeah, but Mike Zimmer is going to bring a lot more exotic pressures this week than Jonathan oh, Gannon. For so, sure. that is for sure. something that they'll have to prepare for, um, no doubt. And I thought, like I said, I, I thought they played really well today. Um, Rogue Tiefling said praise up for Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. this week. I assume that Asante will be back next week. Um, you know, concussions typically aren't two-week injuries. Um, we've seen them be a little bit more careful with Michael Davis, so he might miss. Um, but I think Asante will play next week. Yeah, I mean, that one's tough because didn't Joey Bosa miss, like, a few weeks last week with a concussion? That's true. I, yeah, I That's think he true. missed, like, three, four weeks. Um, and, yeah, that was, like, the whole thing where he was locked in his room, and that was really tough. Um, yeah. but yeah, so concussions are kind of unpredictable. So if I had to guess, I think that Asante will play Chris Harris. I mean, not Chris Harris, Michael Davis is the hamstring. So that's just tough to gauge whether that will be, uh, that will be, uh, a thing or not. So, you know, that's, that injury takes time. Uh, so I hope both of them are back because they're in trouble with this current secondary group against the London Jefferson, man. 
Yeah. Um, Jay Blue asked about Mark Webb. I, I saw him a few times. I'm guessing that his snap count is probably in like the five to six range. I didn't see him a whole lot. Didn't see Trey Marshall a whole lot, um, even after he got injured on the opening kickoff, which I thought was very fitting for the secondary today. Um, but it was a lot of uh, nickel defense. I don't think we saw a ton of dime today. So I did not see much of Mark Webb or Trey Marshall today. Yeah, I didn't see a ton of them either. Um, I... Did you see a lot of Jalen Guyton today? I know he was targeted once uh, once or twice. I didn't see him on the field a whole bunch today. Uh, I saw him a lot. He was also There was also okay. a couple plays where he was a good blocker, actually. Um, okay. that, that should be pointed out. But uh, uh, I'm not sure if Joshua Palmer overtook him, but I thought their snap counts were a little more even this game for sure. I, yeah. I'd actually be curious when whenever Daniel Popper tweets the final snap counts tomorrow what, what they were. Um, but I, I saw him on the field a considerable amount, I thought. Okay. Uh, it definitely felt more even for sure. Um, Skylar Hobson has a super chat, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> uh, super chat question for us. Uh, do you think Trey McKitty gets more snaps going forward? Uh, he looks good in the run blocking. Uh, I mean, I think he looked good, but it's also like, who are you taking off the field? Right? Like, right. because Steven Anderson looked really good as a run blocker. Donald Parham has looked pretty good as a run blocker on occasion um jared cook's not really a blocker so like but you're not taking jared cook snaps away because he's also probably still the most reliable pass catcher out of this group so i think it's just good that he's getting on the field right i mean obviously he was a healthy scratch for so many of those weeks and i think you should just keep him in his role for now allow him to continue to grow and obviously injuries happen over the course of a season and if something happens to steven anderson if something happens to another tight end like I think Trey McKitty has shown that he can kind of step up in that role, but I don't know if you need to draw more for him just because you already have the other three tight ends that are really good. Yeah, I think he's in that similar vein of Chris Rumpf, right? You give him five to ten snaps a game, give him some blocking snaps, give him a couple of routes here and there. Um, but like Alex is saying, I think Donald Parham has developed so well as a blocker on the inline that there's not a ton of snaps there for Trey McKitty. Um, and Steven Anderson is kind of that H-back, fullback, tight end hybrid. So they're slowly working in Trey McKitty. I think that he has played well in the limited snaps, um, but unless there's an injury, I, I, I don't think that there really is a path forward for like a featured role for him. And Jared Cook, you know, I gave him a lot of shit this week as well, um, but I thought he played pretty good. You know, he had the one two-point conversion, had a couple good plays on the outside too. Um, uh, I'm curious to see the snap count there. But, you know, I thought he played well today. Yeah, I also just got to give a shout out to Donald Parham. Uh, when, when he walked into the end zone for that touchdown, that's half stiff arm, half juke on uh, Darius Lay was just, that was badass. I love watching Yeah, that. Yeah, Donald, <laughs> Donald's very good after the catch. He, it's so surprising to me every single time he catches the ball, right? Like a 6'8 man should not be moving the way that he does after the catch, but it, it's just insane. I, I'm I'm really confident in his ability next year to take on a even bigger role so he's he's developed rather nicely definitely someone that i want to see uh back on the team next year yeah that dude could be like an nba stretch four like (laughs) like if he developed that in in college instead of playing football like man that dude could have been nice but uh yeah no he's just super athletic and fun to watch yeah and that jump ball that as brian points out that jump ball was a fantastic catch from him as well that was late in the second quarter right uh i think so yeah, so he, he had a fantastic day, too. 
Um, let's see. There's another question that I saw today. Um, we talked a little bit about the play calling today, but do you think, uh, in terms of Joe Lombardi opening it up, what do you think there in terms of the deep shots today? Well, I guess I don't know. I, I don't know if he opened it up. I thought that the deep shots, was sort of like in Tyler's and Arjun's breakdown, like the deep shots had been there. Like they yeah. just hadn't been taking them for various reasons, either A, because Herbert was a little bit off, B, um, you know, the receivers weren't getting quite as much separation, and D, they were playing really good defenses, right? When we talk about New England and we talk about um, Baltimore, uh, at least in terms of them being fundamentally sound. I thought they uh, got more deep shots to take, right? Like, obviously, you're playing the Eagles, but I think that also gives them a little bit more confidence. Like, I think Mike Williams needed that catch, like, especially after the last few weeks. So that that definitely builds a little bit of momentum. Um, I thought Lombardi definitely opened it up a bit in the second half, uh, particularly in this game, because I thought in the first half he was still doing a little bit of that feeling out sort of deal. Um, but then, uh, yeah, no, I, I think after the fourth and goals and the jet sweeps that were, you know, a little bit weird, he, he got <laughs> sort of, um, definitely opened the playbook a little bit more and, and showed off sort of the players that they wanted to show off, right. Including Mike Williams, uh, including Steven Anderson, including Keenan Allen. Right. And I, I thought that first drive of the third quarter was really important too, because that they were just going Keenan Allen right away and they were just making no bones about what they were going to do. Right. Um, so I thought that that was good. Yeah, I absolutely love that deep ball to Mike Williams because it was right after uh, the defense came up with a big stop. You go for that kill shot. Thought it really set the tone for the rest of the half. And um, I, I don't think he opened up the playbook more. I think the playbook has been open. I think the Chargers have just been a little off on executing those plays the previous the week. The playbook has been open. The players <laughs> might not be as open. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a great uh, – I, I thought it was a, a, a great play call there. I thought they had a couple deep balls, like I said. You know, the Donald Parham one was, you know, 20 yards. Keenan Allen had a couple 18-yard gains. So I thought the play calling today was was very good, and I, I love that play call to Mike Williams in particular. Yeah. Um, this comes from Mario 2S Smooth. or two, Mario 2 Smooth. God, I'm so stupid reading. Um, <laughs> what do you all feel about picking up OBJ? Yeah, I, th- I think this will be this is a good one to end it because I, I think there's a lot of uh, talk right now about, you know, the, the Chargers signing Odell Beckham. You know, Mina Kimes mentioned that it was perfect. Dan Orlovsky has not stopped talking about it. You know, a lot of media members think that the Chargers should, you know, sign him. So I, I, I'm not opposed to it, right? Like, I think Odell Beckham is a very talented player. You know, watching that video that his dad posted on Instagram made you realize that he, he still has it. It just really wasn't working in Cleveland. I just can't see Tom Telesco making that move. You know, he's been so risk averse in terms of, you know, the culture of the locker room. And it just doesn't really feel like Odell really fits in this locker room. We've seen uh, him be a lot more of a me, me, me player versus a we player. And I just don't think I can't, I can't see Tom Telesco making that move at this point. You know, all the talent aside, I just don't think he's a fit for the locker room. Yeah, for me, it's all about what role he's willing to take. If he was willing to yeah. just be wide receiver three on, you know, like a playoff team, like if that's what he wants to do, then I would be fine signing Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, he's, he's a noticeable upgrade over what they you know have um, behind Keenan Allen, behind Mike Williams. But 
you know, we've also been talking about, hey, we want to see Josh Palmer break out. If you sign Odell, like Josh Palmer yeah. probably gets put on the back burner until next year a little bit. Like obviously still be involved, but like Odell will have to get his targets too. Um, you know, same thing with a, a deep shot to Jalen Guyton or, you know, uh, if you want to get Andre Roberts involved on a play, right? So like, I think also, you know, we've talked about how tough this Saints offense is that they're running with Lombardi kind of is to master. And you yeah. also would be bringing in Odell on eight weeks till the end of the season, right? So I think that's a little bit difficult um, to pull off. Obviously, the talent that Odell has is great, but don't think he's the best locker room fit. Uh, and I also just don't think, you know, there's, there's a certain section of Twitter that acts like Odell is still in 2015. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, yeah. I, I'm sort of a centrist on the whole like Baker thing. Cause I don't really like watching Baker play either. Um, yeah. Even though he had his sort of mini revenge game today on Odell. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, to me, the Baker people act like Odell is the problem. And I'm like, no, Baker definitely missed him on some throws. And the Odell people act like Baker's the only problem. I'm like, no, Odell's not what he was. It's definitely in the middle, yeah. Right. So, like, to me, I, I feel in the middle on that. So, um, yeah, if if he's really willing to be wide receiver three and that's the role he's willing to take, then I would be fine with it. But I just don't know if we have enough evidence and it doesn't seem like that's what he wants to do. And there was a report today that he wants to be – uh, specifically on a playoff contender, which is, you know, to get snaps for a potential contract next year, right? So yeah, I, I think that he really does want to be a wide receiver one or two on a team, but we'll see. Yeah, I think that's spot on, right? And you you mentioned Josh Palmer. Like, we've also been saying we need to get uh, Mike Williams, you know, featured a little bit more. So um, that kind of would take away from that, too. So I, I, like I said, I, I'm not against it, right? Like, he's a very talented player. If he's willing to be that, you know, wide receiver three, then then go for it. But I think from a from an Odell perspective, you know he's going to want to go first and foremost to a place that's going to feed him targets. Like that, that is was the issue in Cleveland because Cleveland is a postseason contender. It's not like they were not going to be winning games there. He wants the targets, he wants the big contract, and he wants to to move on to a new team where he can be a featured guy. Like that's that's what it comes down to for him. So I, I, from his perspective, the Chargers don't make any sense, and I think from the Chargers locker room perspective. Odell doesn't make any sense. So I, I expect him to sign somewhere where he would be featured and, and earn another contract. God, if I have to see him in a Raiders jersey, though, I'm going to be terrible to watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though, because if you're coming, if you're going to the Raiders, I mean, Darren Waller is the first target, right? Like Derek Carr loves Hunter Renfro. So, you know, that kind of is another thing. Like you'll be, you'll be getting targets, but you're not going to be like, a true number one you're not going to get eight to 12 targets a game you're probably getting four to six seven yeah i, I mean i think there would be a better spot for him with the raiders than the Chargers, sure. right like Absolutely. in terms of being behind Absolutely. keenan and, and mike and austin but uh yeah no definitely definitely weird to install him later in the season unless you know there's an unforeseen injury that pops up in his next couple days yeah so um we'll see he uh the his waiver claim will be processed on monday i believe was the latest um if he doesn't get claimed which i don't think he will uh given the uh, amount of money that a new team would have to take on then he'll be able to sign with whoever he wants so um you pointed out you want to see him in green bay i think that would be a really good fit for him 
Yeah. Um, also, just like <laughs> you know, clear the air from the rest of Green Bay stuff right now. <laughs> With everything that's going on over there, Maybe, you know, Odell would actually reduce the drama levels. In Green Bay. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, all right, Alex. Final thoughts of the day uh, before we head out. Yeah, no, uh, I thought this was a really good win. Uh, I really won the day. I mean, 27-24, got that right. Yeah, yeah. The Eagles get a higher draft pick. The Chargers win a game, and they're first place in the AFC West. So everything is uh, going good right now. So uh, my final thought is uh, bolt up, and uh, we'll talk about this Vikings game next week. And uh, YouTube algorithm is back, baby. <laughs> it's going to be a fun week for sure. The, the weeks after the Chargers win, are always so much more fun. Uh, not to say that this week wasn't fun interviewing Peter Schrager and Sean Phillips, um, but it, you know it, it's always more fun, more lighthearted after a win. So really glad the Chargers came out on top. I said before uh, on Thursday that I, I was expecting this team to be five and three uh, at this point in the season, before the season, and they accomplished that mission. So that everything that they want is still right ahead of them. Uh, got a manageable schedule coming up, but a couple tough games with the Vikings and the Steelers. Uh, which would be very competitive. You know, Sunday night football against the Steelers is always going to be fun. Um, but everything this team wants to do is still right there for the taking. So uh, aided by the, the randomness of the AFC today, no doubt, but first place back back in first place atop the AFC West, which is always good. Really excited about where this team is headed. Excited about the week coming up with my guys, Alex and Tyler. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. That's going to do it for today. And we'll see you on Thursday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.